Hello, this is Ken Ferry with this week's Boots in the Field Report. Today we're going to do it a little bit different. Uh, we're going to slip over to uh, Matt Deuster House. He's our regional agronomist over in the Quincy area, and he works with the Ursa Farmers Co-op over there. And he does a lot of the same stuff we do here at Hayworth as far as plots and working with those growers over there. And uh, Matt, uh, good to have you on board today. Kind of give us an update, I guess, of how your season went over there and what kind of yields and, and just maybe replay it for us. How did the fall end up as well? And I, I do realize over there, Matt, that you've got the Missouri side and you've got the Illinois side, and they're like two different countries. I've been over there myself. So it's probably going to take two crop reports uh, here to, to kind of get your territory into perspective. But give us a little update as far as what's, what's it look like over there at the Ursa Farmer Co-op's territory that you're working on, um, you know, as far as did you get the yields you expected? Did the season uh, play out like uh, everybody had hoped or how did, how did it turn out for you guys? So the season over here kind of started out a little bit slow like everywhere else. You know, our April didn't necessarily get kicked off like we wanted it to. Um, you know, we got some corn and beans planted early in the area that had a couple different snows on them to start. Um, but then we really had about three different hitches in the planting. Um, you know, we had some April shot there in April, um, kind of the third week of April where a lot of corn and beans were getting planted. Um, then we kind of had some wet weather set in, cool weather. Um, about the middle of May, things fired up again. A lot of, a lot of crop went in the middle of May and then kind of finished some stuff up the last part of May, beginning of June. But you know, for us, the growing season in this neck of the woods was excellent. I mean, we got a little dry there in June, um, but picked up some rains right right around the 4th of July um, when corn was pollinating. And we really weren't short of rain until um, we got into the middle and end of August on the, the derecho event. We've got a half inch to a seven tenths of rain with no wind um, or not the wind that was going to knock down any corn. Um, for the most part on the better soils in this area, we were hanging in really well, um, whether it was corn or beans. Um, you, came, you came into August with a tank full of full of water then as far as, even though you got short in August, you were you're pretty good shape coming yep. into August. Yep, we made it through, you know, pollination just fine. And really, um, you know, like I said, we weren't short of moisture. We were coming in with a full tank and expectations were really high, especially for the corn crop. Um, coming into August. Then when things started to get a little dry, we started to see some, you know, some stress show up, especially on those hillsides and those lighter soils. Um, even more stress if we were running out of nitrogen um, in those areas. And that's the part that tagged a lot of these fields. Um, you know, even though we made it all the way through July, so we look in Missouri or we look in some of those rougher grounds, um, you know, it's hard to keep the field average up when we were dying in August in some of those areas. Obviously, the, the April planted corn fared a little bit better um, in those parts because it was farther along, but um, in some areas, the beans may have lost 50% of their yield where they died there in August, so that can take a lot out of the field average, but for the most part around here, um, guys have been seeing really good corn yields. Um, it ping-pongs around a little bit. Uh, we've had some record yields on fields, 
Um, and we've had some disappointing yields on fields based on kind of our expectations coming out of July and through August. Um, and we've got to kind of think back on, you know, why those yields were, weren't where we expected them to be or, or what did we gauge our expectations on. But can you, can you pinpoint some of those fields as far as where those bushels slipped away from them on? Uh, I think some of it slipped away in the very beginning. Um, I mean, if the stands and the ear counts weren't there, um, we may have been basing our expectations on the other fields where the stand count was there. Um, a lot of that mid-May planted corn, um, there was areas where we were seeing 25, 26, 28,000 ear count um, where, you know, we were planting 32, 33, 34,000. So that's part of it. Um, we had a little bit of down corn issues in certain hybrids, certain fields. Um, so there was areas where we had some yield slipping away there. Um, but, you know, for the most part, you guys have been very happy with corn yields. Um, overall, we're seeing above average, I would say for most. Um, on the bean side, We've seen a lot of good beans, a lot of 60s and 70s for um, yield reports on the beans. We haven't seen those super high bean yields, um, not a lot of 80 or 90 field averages anywhere, but a lot of decent soybeans um, in the market has came up. So that's helped, um, helped quite a bit. But, um, you know, overall for this area, Missouri and, and Illinois side, I would say both crops are above average. We were expecting maybe a little better corn than, than what we ended up getting. And the beans, you know, some guys were maybe expecting a little more with those early planted, but, um, you know, I think the lower end of the bean yields um, was higher as well. So overall, pretty good crop over here. And your bean crop, do you think those bigger yields were there? Um, did you have the pod set for them or you just didn't get enough pod set? Yeah, so I think we, we definitely had the pod set, especially on our early planted beans. Um, looking at some of the plots that we had planted in April, um, you know, we were counting 80, 90, 100 pods per plant, um, but, and we had a lot of three and four bean pods, but when we were splitting those pods late season, um, you know, we would have a four bean pod with only two beans in it. We boarded a lot of beans um, with that dry weather in August, so the potential was definitely there. Um, some of our later planted, say our May, late May planted beans held with the early planted beans um, and yield were maybe only four or five bushel behind, um, but it didn't look like they had the same potential that our April planted beans had. So your April planted beans probably were 90 bushel beans and then they just end up not filling the pods back into the 70s. Yeah, I think so. And that's that's what it looks like. And I think a lot of guys over here are going to continue to try to plant um, at least some early beans before they get started um, into corn because we've been seeing some, you know, I don't think we're just chasing, chasing three, four, five bushel. I think we're chasing that 10 bushel um, mark with the early planted beans. If we look out the window right now today, Matt, what's happening there in the in the uh, Quincy area as far as uh, harvest, is it about over or where are you guys at? Harvest definitely winding down. Um, a few guys getting down to the short rows 
And I think at the end of the week, uh, most guys will probably be wrapped up in harvest, maybe a few um, still out there, but a lot of fall tillage going on. Conditions have been pretty good for that. Um, we've been dry early fall. We're getting good shatter. Um, and now we got a little bit of moisture there last week, but still a lot of tillage going on. And, and now with the warm weather, some fall burn downs starting to roll out for, for the no-till and the um, conservation till guys. Got fall burn downs um, being sprayed. Um, and, you know, for the most part, I haven't seen a lot of anhydrous moving yet, but I think maybe by the end of the week, we'll start to see more and more of that. Um, you know, soil temperatures are still, you're, they're, they're cool now, but they're going to be warming up with the whole week in the 70s forecasted here. So um, I think if we can hold off just a little bit longer on that, um, we'll be in pretty good shape. I know, Matt, you got uh, quite a few plots that you're working for us uh, on over there, trying to uh, uh, learn what we can from the Quincy area, from those customers over there. But get any updates on, on what you're working on, on as far as plots right now, what you've seen? Yeah, so one of the, one of the biggest plots um, or the biggest yield responses that we've seen um, early in our plot season over here has been fungicide on beans. Um, you know, we did several different um, varieties. Uh, we did it in 30 inch rows and 15 inch rows. Um, and we did some on April planted beans as well as um, beans planted the 30th of May. Um, and on our early planted beans on some of those more productive soils, we were seeing anywhere from four to eight up to 12 bushel um, responses from fungicide insecticide combinations on beans. Um, not a lot of beetles present in those plots even though they were early planted so I think a lot of that response is just coming from the plant health and the fungicide um, on those beans. So pretty good responses compared on fungicide compared to what you guys have seen over there um, from what I hear. Yeah, we're we're struggling a little bit. Uh, we're we're seeing positive responses, but uh, not like the numbers that you're talking about here, or the numbers that where we had the bean leaf beetle. The numbers are actually pretty strong as well. And you're you're saying your biggest response is coming more in your April beans, but you're still seeing some in the May beans. Yeah, so our May beans we saw two to four bushel increase on those beans planted late, um, which I think is what we would expect. Um, you know, we've done some studies and, and fungicide trials on double crop beans and late planted beans and pretty hard to get them to pay. Um, so we're closer to break even there, but definitely a bigger response on our early April planted beans and our higher productivity. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how these plots all break out by soil type as well and whether that soil health was part of getting you through some of that August and uh, maybe leaving you with some bigger beans if nothing else. Yep. Um, we also did some, was working with Michael Hicks there at Ursa Co-op on some of those um, on a hybrid plot where we looked at planting each hybrid at 22,000 and 36,000. So this is part of our hybrid flex um, learning curve is looking at how these different hybrids respond to population and respond to stress in general. Um, does it change in girth, length, 
or depth of kernel at the end of the season. So on this particular hybrid plot, um, you know, yields range from 206 to 242, um, but it's pretty interesting when we average the 22,000 yield, uh, we're at 221.2. When we average the 36,000 yield, we're at 221.7. Wow. So on average, there was only a half a bushel difference in those high and low population. But if we look across the plot, sometimes it was 20 bushel one way for a particular hybrid where it liked the high population. And sometimes it was 20 bushel um, advantage to the low population. So when we pushed it, um, that was too much stress um, for that scenario. So it'll be interesting to shake things out this winter and in our plot meetings and, and figure out with these hybrids, how did the ears respond? And, and that'll give us a lot of knowledge going forward, forward on how to place these hybrids um, and some of the different things we should be looking at as far as stress and should we protect them on the front end um, or protect them through the middle and on the back end, where do they need, um, you know, where does stress hurt them the most? Yeah, this is, this is going to be exciting data to put into our yearbook as we bring in the, the Ursa Farmers Co-op group into our fold. And because as we look at the soil test mat that are coming in from your area, you guys ought to be the poster child for variable rate and multi-hybrid even, meaning that you have such drastic changes from those side hills that want to burn up to the valleys down in between. And boy, being able to get some comfort to say, you know, that side hill probably ought to be pulled back to 24,000 with this specific hybrid. Uh, that's going to be dynamite information to work with over there to help your guys um, to, to actually implement a, not only a variable rate planting scenario, but to start to better position. So Mike can use this information. Michael can use this information on helping him position the hybrids in some of your tougher fields. Yeah. And we've got a, you know, a whole list of plots that we've looked at. And I'd like to thank my family that I farm with for putting up with me and being patient as we weigh these plots. You know, we've got a scale on the grain cart. It takes a little bit of time away from the harvest operation, but I think the you know, the information that we get for it um, and we'll be able to use going forward will help us, you know, make better decisions on our farm and hopefully make these, um, our customers at Earth Farmers Co-op, um, give them better information to make on their farms as well. So we're going to be looking at different nitrogen plots where we did some different things with the rates and the placement. Uh, we've got starter plots to look at um, and specifically some starter plots on ground that was prevent plant um, last year. So how did the fallow syndrome affect that? Um, and then we got a few different starter additives and biologicals to look at as well. So um, whole host of plots. Um, and I'm sure you guys have a lot of plot data coming from Hayworth that we'll bring, bring to you guys all in the winter meetings um, when we go through that. So pretty exciting yeah. stuff. Yeah, it'll give us a, give us a lot to chew on this fall as we're trying to figure out what's what's going to pay the bill and what's not. And and while these prices uh, look a lot more exciting now than they did in March and April, um, it's still a situation where it's got to come down to the ROI and the ROIs, uh, um, you know, are what going to keep us in business going forward. So these plots are going to be one of those ways we can sort some of that stuff out. What are you thinking about doing for plots for next year? Have you made your wish list up yet? 
And so, you know, the first thing that, that has come to mind was with anhydrous season getting close is we're going to be looking at more nitrogen plots. Um, so we'll set out this fall and look at some 100% anhydrous compared to some liquid programs that would be split up between, um, you know, maybe on the planter and side dress or wide drop, and then maybe some combinations where we're doing a little bit of anhydrous with the rest at, at wide drop or side dress time and some anhydrous with planter nitrogen. So got several different things to look at, um, but that would probably be the first one uh, that we'll set out to do this fall. Yeah, it gets to be a busy time of year. People calling in here too want to know how this plot did and that plot. We're collecting all this information. I think like you here, uh, by the end of the week, middle of next week, we will be coming down on the short rows of our plots. But at the same time, we're, we're doing tillage plots already. Today, we're going to go out and do some go our cover crop work and some strip till stuff and everything else. So uh, the amount of plots that we're already putting in for next year really pile on to the finish of the season. But uh, boy, this weather's been really nice to to do both. So it's it's kind of a blessing in disguise there. Any any idea as far as uh, you know plots that the that you guys at Ursa Co-op have? Uh, if your customers there and you got a, you'd like to see a certain plot, a uh, certain replication done, um, even if it's not on your farm, but we encourage it to be on your farm. Um, this is the time to to give us a shout, right, Matt, uh, for him to to let them know, let you know, and let the guys at the co-op know what what would be some interesting plot things that you need for your area. And I realize you have more, uh, for instance, silage production and stuff like that over there. Um, there might be some unique plots that your customers over there would like to see, and that would be the time for them to give us a heads up on what 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 is it that they'd like to see in their area. Yep. Plots are, you know, there's definitely, definitely time required and, you know, some work to put in, but we think that the knowledge that we can get from, from some of those plots can definitely help you make better decisions going forward. You know, they don't, and with CropTech, you know, basically we do a lot in the research division and we compile that data year after year. Um, and so part of being a CropTech customer is having access to this plot information. Um, so when you go to make a change in your system, whether it's tillage, nitrogen, starter fertilizer, um, you know, we're there for you guys to help you decide what's the, what's the best direction to move and what are the different tools or, or things you can implement to help make that happen. So, you know, that's all part, part of who we are and what we do. Yeah. How's, how's the soil testing going over there for you, Matt? Are um, you staying up to date? Yep, pretty good. Um, we did a lot of t testing this spring and this summer. Of course, that's when we do most of the soil testing um, in the bean ground. We do have a handful um, of acres to do here in the fall. Have several days left of that, but getting down again to the to the end of the fall testing. If you guys do have fields that you want soil tested or want to get in the crop tech program, um, you can definitely get a hold of. Ursa Co-op or Michael Hicks, anyone there, um, and they can point you to me. But um, the sooner we get those fields ordered and in, um, the sooner we can get them soil tested and those wrecks turned back around, especially if you're wanting to get fertilizer spread um, yet this fall. So don't hesitate on that. 
And any information they can send in with the field order, you know, when, when you get the order, Matt, it comes here and then our GIS crew will take the soil type and the topography maps to start carving out the zones. But boy, if they got some past yield maps, they can send along with that information that lets our crew in here do a better job of zoning these fields out by soil type. And it does take a little bit. So, um, you know, a situation if they can give us a heads up uh, ahead of time on, on getting those orders in that, that makes a, a better map for you when you go back out there to soil test. Yeah, for sure. And and if you get a hold of me or get a hold of Michael, we can definitely sit down and let you know um, what exactly we're looking for and, and try to meet your needs. Cool. Well, sounds like you got a lot of work to do there on grinding through the plots just like we do here. So it'll be exciting. We put this all together for the not only the Ursa Farmer Co-op meetings, but for the guys here at Hayworth and uh, across the Midwest as they look at, uh, we start to pool all these plots together and it's, I'm excited to see what we can learn in your area because uh, there's just some soil over there that we don't have here in McLean County. So um, what the plots look like over there versus here is going to be kind of neat. Yep. I think we're all looking forward to seeing some of that data this winter. All right. Thanks, Matt, for your time. Yep. To stay up to date, check out our website at croptechinc.com and subscribe to our podcast, Boots in the Field Report. Keep her safe. Keep her moving.